Welcome to today's American Health Lawyers Association Speaking of Health Law podcast series. I'm your host, Craig Hunter, Senior Vice President with Coker Group, a national healthcare advisory firm. And I'm here today with Marilyn Lamar, AHLA's incoming president for 2019. Marilyn, thank you for taking time with us while attending the 2018 AHLA Fundamentals and Health Law Conference here in Chicago. For those of you who don't know Marilyn, she attended the University of Illinois for her undergraduate degree and graduated from the University of Chicago Law School. She then served as a law clerk in the U.S. Court of Appeals here in Chicago and had a distinguished career at McDermott, Will, and Emory before starting her own firm of Liss and Lamar in 2006 where she focuses on all aspects of HIPAA privacy and security compliance, other technology-related services, as well as mergers and acquisitions. Marilyn, first of all, congratulations on being named president of AHLA for 2019. That's quite an honor. Out of curiosity, how did you originally get into health law? Thanks very much, Craig. It's great to be practicing health law, and it's a bit ironic to have ended up in this area. My parents wanted me to be a doctor, primarily so they would have someone to take care of them in their old age. But I was squeamish thinking about cadavers, so I thought the law would be a much better alternative. So my ending up in health law seems like coming full circle. That's funny. I can tell you that your parents weren't the only ones hoping that their child became a physician. Oh, you too? Yeah. As the incoming president of AHLA, what excites you the most about working with AHLA and its members? I think the most exciting aspect for me is the way that AHLA brings together more than 13,000 talented health law professionals in a very collegial way. As you know, some aspects of the practice of law and consulting are highly competitive. And of course, litigation is adversarial in nature. But in their AHLA activities, members seem to put that aside for the greater good of understanding complicated areas of health law and working towards constructive solutions as well as contributing to public interest projects. And I see this in so many activities of the association. Members gladly share their expertise, whether it's through in-person programs, written publications, and webinars, as well as developing free public interest resources. They are thought leaders who contribute in-depth materials that really distinguish the AHLA from other organizations. It's only possible due to the countless hours spent by our authors, speakers, and other volunteers. Another significant volunteer effort is the AHLA's Dispute Resolution Service, which includes both arbitration and mediation. Many volunteer attorneys with expertise in ADR work on this service together with our expert AHLA staff. The Dispute Resolution Service provides enormous benefit to the industry by identifying arbitrators and mediators with an in-depth knowledge of health law to more effectively resolve disputes. Wow, those are important. Any others come to mind? Sure. Uh, I've been able to call on the expertise of practice group leaders and speakers in my own practice to ask follow-up questions or bounce novel ideas off of them. And they're very willing to talk to people like me who call. And the AHLA communities offer another way to get insights from other professionals. These have been great resources to me as a lawyer in a very small firm. And I have to note, it's wonderful for all of us to be supported by the professional staff of the AHLA, who have such a deep knowledge of health law, as well as expertise in 
publications, programs, dispute resolution, as well as actually running an association, including finance. They're all critical to the AHLA, and we can't thank them enough. Oh, I would agree with that. The staff and organization have been tremendous benefit for our firm, associates, and clients as well. I know it's traditional for the incoming AHLA president to establish a few specific goals for their term. Can you please give us a little insight into the goals you've selected and why they're important to you and the membership? Let's start with your first goal, technology, including artificial intelligence. Well, as a tech lawyer, I certainly have a warm spot in my heart for all things technology. And it's critical to how we bring news, insightful analysis, and networking opportunities to our members, most importantly, in the form that is most convenient for them. And I really want to stress that. We want this to be very customized to how the members like to receive their information. This requires a continuing investment in technology. The AHLA, in fact, was an early adopter of some technology-based member services, including webinars and the archive of the AHLA's educational materials. We continue to look for ways to improve those resources, as well as developing new ones. I believe that AI presents great opportunities for innovation, as well as being a disruptive force in the legal environment. One benefit will be just automating repetitive legal and compliance tasks to free up professionals for more challenging work. But there are some concerns about applying AI to legal services, including questions of quality, ethics, and possible bias. We will try to help our members explore those innovations while also looking at how AI might be able to harness the vast knowledge and resources of the AHLA's content. That's great. And your second goal is diversity and inclusion. Right. The AHLA has made diversity and inclusion a priority for many years, and we're seeing great progress in our practice groups, in-person programs, and webinars. We have trained literally hundreds of AHLA leaders and provided them with tools to help with these efforts. My goal is to cement the progress we've made and make sure that AHLA sustains these efforts across the entire organization. I know this one is important to you as well. Your third goal is improving the learning experience. We are fundamentally an educational organization, and we know that some people have different learning styles and that more interactive learning may be better for some of us than a presentation in a traditional lecture format. Recent research has also shown that attention spans of most audience members are shorter than might have been expected, generally no more than 20 minutes. And traveling to meetings may also present challenges. So we're encouraging more interactive presentations by speakers at our in-person programs and looking at alternatives for those who cannot travel. We want our content to be easy to absorb and readily available for the broadest group of our members. Finally, your fourth goal is balancing governance changes, member services, and collegiality. As many of you know, collegiality and a high level of service to members are hallmarks of the AHLA that must remain front of mind while we work on many specific initiatives. For example, a committee of the board and non-board members has been studying the AHLA's corporate governance structure, and the board may adopt some changes within the next few months. But any internally focused review has the potential to be a distraction from an organization's core mission and values. Therefore, one of my goals is to make sure that we continue to have high levels of member service and collegiality while the corporate governance review moves forward. Those are very significant goals for the organization, Marilyn. 
How have you personally benefited from AHLA over the years? Well, one of the main benefits for me, in addition to the educational content and things like that, have been the close friendships I've made with many members of the AHLA across the country. And that goes well beyond legal issues because they've been a great source of personal support as I faced issues with children and aging parents. We often share our challenges and any tips and resources we found along the way. And having my AHLA community was especially important after I moved from a large law firm to work in a two-attorney office 12 years ago. Another benefit has been my exposure to some of our best speakers. And I would like to share something surprising that I hope will encourage those who would like to speak but have not yet taken the plunge. It is that even some of our best speakers get butterflies before they present. I learned this once walking back from an event with two of our most renowned and seemingly calm speakers. I don't think they realized that I was hanging on their every word as they talked about their jitters. I remember that one of them wondered whether having anxiety might actually make him better in the moment. So their candor made me feel much more at home in this wonderful organization and a lot less stressed about speaking myself. Yeah, that's great. I, I too, would encourage other AHLA members to submit speaking abstracts for the future. There are so many great conferences, like the Fundamentals Conference we're at this week and the Physicians and Hospital Law Institute coming up in February in San Antonio, which represent a real spectrum of attendees and knowledge levels and AHLA is always looking for relevant, interesting topics. That's absolutely right. What, what advice would you give others so that they could get the full benefit of participating in and belonging to the AHLA? Well, being willing to volunteer obviously will make a huge difference in how much a member gets out of AHLA. First of all, you get to meet great people on a personal and professional level and be recognized for your contributions. Second, at least for me, the actual writing or speaking makes me dig in even deeper on a topic, which leads to new insights. And then going to the networking events is also important so you can relax and socialize with your peers. But being an introvert myself, <laughs> sometimes I have to move past my comfort level to get the most out of these AHLA experiences. So even though it can be challenging, I've met folks who became close friends, and I never would have met them but for AHLA events. And I've been surprised that when I've confessed my introverted nature to other members, many of them, including leaders, have shared that they are also introverts. Right. So to anyone who feels a bit anxious about walking into an AHLA reception or volunteering, I want you to know you are not alone. I think it's also important to state that once you've been to a few of the AHLA programs, you start to see friends and colleagues over the years, and it's just tough to replace good friends who may at some point be helpful for you and your own practice from time to time with issues that you may need a little jump start with. Right. When you consider the extensive compliance requirements, whether legal, financial, regulatory, etc., uh, for healthcare provider organizations, what are your thoughts on the linkages between attorneys and consultants? and working with mutual clients such as hospitals, health systems, and medical groups. I think that consultants are really essential partners with lawyers in reducing the risks that our clients face in this complicated healthcare environment. Consultants often have much more data than lawyers do and can use data analytics to identify trends among similar organizations that are very helpful to clients. They also provide just a different perspective 
and can help identify both problems and when more education is needed in order to avoid problems. Of course, consultants continue to play a critical role by assessing fair market value, but their role can and should be much broader than that. Agreed. And everyone should be aware that the AHLA welcomes consultants regardless of whether they are lawyers, as well as other non-lawyer professionals who are active in health law. Their multidimensional expertise really adds a great deal to the association. Yeah, I would agree with that. And from our perspective, uh, through the variety of compliance-related services that we provide, fair market value, commercial reasonableness opinions, uh, compliance audits, uh, HIPAA reviews, physician community needs assessments, etc. Our relationship with AHLA has been tremendous as we're able to interact more closely with the attorneys we work with, whether they're at a private firm uh, such as yours or whether or not they're general or in-house counsel at one of our clients. What do you believe the key issues in today's healthcare marketplace, specifically as it relates to AHLA members and their respective clients, since AHLA represents all areas of healthcare providers, physicians, health plans, long-term care, you name it. Right. Well, that could be a long list because AHLA members, as you mentioned, are active in all aspects of the industry. But here are some thoughts from trying to look across the entire landscape. Leading the list is healthcare policy, which may lead to substantial changes in the ACA or its administration, as well as funding for Medicare and Medicaid, addressing the opioid crisis, and drug pricing. Fraud and abuse issues continue to be important in the aftermath of Escobar and the 60-day rule, and there's even been speculation that we'll get some changes in Stark. Another key issue is the rapid pace of change on many levels, including shifting reimbursement and payment strategies and new technologies that are changing how healthcare is provided at the patient level. Then there are changes at the demographic level, I myself am a boomer, but I know that the millennials now outnumber boomers, which is a huge change. Um, also, the cost shifting to patients with higher deductibles and co-pays, and consumerism, with a rising tide of patient expectations about healthcare can, how healthcare can be delivered. Some view much of healthcare as being ripe for disruption, with non-traditional companies coming into healthcare from mergers and joint ventures. Can you give us a few examples? of those that you're seeing? Sure. We're seeing a lot of physicians, actually, who are becoming entrepreneurial and forming their own companies, developing technology and so forth. Then we have some gigantic technology companies that are really focusing on healthcare, such as Apple and Facebook. Another example over all of this is the joint venture between Amazon, J.P. Morgan, right. and Berkshire Hathaway that's going to bring something very new to us, and the merger of CVS and Aetna, which I think most of us did not expect, but is undoubtedly going to lead to some real changes. All of these involve numerous legal issues, many of which require cutting-edge analysis. The AHLA is committed to providing its members with news and insights on all issues relevant to members, regardless of their practice area. Thank you, Marilyn. That's quite a list. As we prepare to wrap up today, do you have any final thoughts that you'd like to share as we close out our time? The AHLA is a robust and thriving organization due to its members, its dedicated volunteers, and its wonderful staff. We welcome everyone with an interest in health law, regardless of the role they play or the particular aspect of health law that has captured their interest. And having celebrated the AHLA's 50th anniversary a year ago, 
we are embarked on what I trust will be at least another 50 years of educational and public interest service with an extremely friendly and helpful group of professionals. Craig, thanks so much for letting me share these thoughts with you. We very much appreciate all that you and Coker have done for the AHLA and your continued participation with us. Thank you, Marilyn. This has been great, and I appreciate your time as well. I look forward to working with you and AHLA throughout your term as president in 2019. For our audience, that concludes this episode of the AHLA Speaking of Health Law series podcast, sponsored by Coker Group, business advisors to the healthcare industry.